Rebellious Studio presents the Mind Body Podcast with your host, Maria Angelova. Hi, Rebels, and welcome to the Mind Body Podcast, your rebellious podcast with me, your host, Maria, where it is all about a strong body, calm mind, healing, and fully living. And I have today two very special guests. Hello, ladies. I have Katie Novak with Smart Technologies, who is excited about education as a tool to change the world, and Chris Asso, who is the Global Education Strategist with Smart Technologies, and you ladies are also co-hosts of the podcast at Shift. Welcome. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Yes, definitely excited to be here. Thank you. All right, so we are going to dive right in. And before we start talking about the hot topic of kids and education and mental health and all those good things, let's get to know who Chris and Katie are. And actually, we're going to flip-flop these. And I'm going to get Katie give me three words that describe Chris and then vice versa. How about that? Ooh, <laughs> ooh I like this. Um, three words to describe Chris. A little bit of a backstory behind mm. this. Um passionate, active, and wise. All right. You want to give a little bit of background behind? Sure. Um, Chris Chris is, is passionate about a lot of things ranging from, you know, education to wine to horses to many different things in between. Um, and and she knows she knows what she likes, whether it's, you know, in any of those areas or, or sort of in life in general. And she's willing to, to go after what matters to her. Um, she has a lot of experience, you know, teaching in different places in different countries, um, you know, living and working in different cultures. Um, and so I think a lot of her her wisdom comes from that. And, um, you know, she's she's an active person. Um, I, I can always tell when she's been on a run because I'll get, um, you know, texts with ideas about something that we should do or a great podcast that she just listened to. Um, you know, so so her mind and body are are active places where great things happen. <laughs> Wow, that is such a huge compliment, Chris. Can you beat that? <laughs> I know. Wow. All right. So what expectations? <laughs> um, so my three words for Katie. So number one is um curious. Number two is um adventurous. And number three is probably intelligent. Mm, all right. Give us give us the backstory. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things I love about Katie is no matter what idea I come up with uh, and how crazy it may be from like a topic on the podcast or, hey, Katie, let's go cold plunge together and see if we like that. Um, she's always willing to to try something new, to do something new. And I think that's very connected to her curious nature. Like she wants to know to know why and to learn more. And I feel like um, she's always learning. She's always recommending things to read or things she's done or things she's learned. And just in general, she um, she's very intelligent. She knows a lot of things. Um, when you hear her a little bit more as we dive into this podcast, she's thoughtful. She Her mind is connected. There's just a web of things in there. And she pulls in so many different areas of life experience, both um indoors, outdoors, when it comes to education, when it comes to people. And I think that just all comes together to make her the kind of person that you really want to sit down and have a glass of wine with, because she's got a lot of interesting things to share. 
All right. So we need to have wine after the podcast. <laughs> I like that idea. <laughs> well, a word that it's kind of common to what you both mentioned is the curious, the open-minded, the travel. Um, let's talk about that in the context of education and kids. I would love to hear your thoughts of how you guys are probably younger than I am, but things are different than when I grew up and the way education was back then and the way education is today. And from what I see them, from what I see, I, I have a teenager, 13 year old now. Um, she's exposed to a lot more things that she thinks she understands, but she really doesn't. Uh, the one topic that is probably most contagious in our house is social media and technology, uh, because I constantly have to say, get off the phone, get off the TV, get off the iPad. It's mind numbing. And I constantly talk about connecting with friends face to face and having conversations and not comparing yourself to others. But as educators, as people who are in that space, who interact with kids and who are exposed to that industry, can you give me your thoughts on how things are different and where we have gaps and where we have opportunities? That's such a great question. I have a teenager at home too. So I know a lot of that and the conversations we have and the things that, you know, we have to, to counsel our kids on are not things that we're necessarily prepared for because they certainly, they weren't happening when we were kids. And I think that maybe highlights the biggest thing with education is I think the world has changed tremendously. The way we interact with each other, the access we have, the fact that like, if we're not careful, our kids are almost on display 24-7 because of the role of social media. And they feel a need to kind of cultivate who they are there at a time in their lives when they're shaping their identities, right? Like the whole goal of being, you know, a preteen and a teen is you you try on new things and you see how they work and you look at the, the people around you and you're like, I wonder what would happen if I acted like that. And so we've got kids in a stage where naturally they are trying on things and sometimes it doesn't work, but now we're capturing it all kind of in the permanent social record online. And that's a really tough thing for kids to navigate. And that maybe points to the challenge with education is that education is changing not at the same rate that the world is changing. And so we're really having to, as teachers, as leaders, think of how should and can education shift to keep up with that because we do have to educate our kids in new ways about both the the dangers and the benefits of the world they live in and so we're in a very dynamic space right now where we're making a lot of shifts to keep up with that and i think that's why social emotional learning and mental health have really come to the forefront of the conversation because they are super important. Um, and I'm going to stop talking in a second so Katie can say things because I know she's not to say on this too, but I mean, one of my areas of passion is really understanding kind of brain science and how what's happening in our brains impacts how kids learn. And I, and I actually heard some really interesting and encouraging statistics today from a different podcast um, about how teachers are actually really interested more than ever in the neuroscience of this all because they really want to help kids. And so in a nutshell, we have a great group of teachers and leaders who want to help kids in a very dynamic shifting world. And we're trying to get education to a place that we can support that. I think the the role of technology in this world, in education is 
absolutely important because, um, you know, Maria is saying like, you know, yeah, you don't want, you know, your daughter on just kind of, you know, playing a game or just doing, um, you know, chatting on, on her phone all the time. It, we need to teach kids that technology has a place, technology has value that it can provide and how to use technology as a tool in their world. It can do a lot for them. It can help them research things and understand things and connect to people and connect ideas together, you know, and there's, there's ways to use it that are healthy. Um, and there's ways to use it that are less healthy. And we need to teach them what that looks like. And we need to give them the tools to make those choices for whatever that technology looks like in the future. Cause it's gonna look different than it does today. Um, you know, when they're graduating school, when they're going into the workforce, but we need to teach them those skills and give them the tools to make those choices, regardless of whether it's a phone in their hand or it's, you know, some other three-dimensional metaverse that we're not even picturing yet, whatever it is, the tools need to be applicable for them so that they can evolve with the way the world is going to continue to evolve. And, and I think I'd say layering next to that, sorry to interrupt Maria, is the, the importance of also building self-esteem both at home and in the classroom. Because if there's one thing that that's really at risk in this digital space is kids' self-esteem. And so how are the things that we're doing in the classroom and how are the things that we're doing at home as parents reminding them that as individuals, they are unique and spectacular and they don't have to be like everyone else to be great. And so we there as we build that up alongside of those tech skills, I think that gets us to the place where we are developing kids who are ready to go out and conquer the world whatever it looks like. And that's a great point that I'm actually going to pivot to that um Chris because I, I was just going to say that I'm glad that at my time there was social media, no recording, you know, everything mm -hmm. is on camera. I mean, videos, photos, and like I constantly talk to my daughter, be careful what you send because it's in the cloud. So you think you're going to delete it, but you're really not deleting it, right? And I do see, I talk to my daughter a lot about that stuff, about self-esteem, about not comparing herself to others, about what she puts out there, about what she says. You know, sometimes she's like, we're joking and they're saying some things that sound really mean. She's like, mom, everybody knows we're joking. And I'm like, you know, you don't have the tonality to know that you're joking. All you're seeing is words and the way the tonality and the gesture, you know, can change the context of something. But these are all things that we talk about. But I don't think all of her peers have that level of support and that level of guidance. And I personally have spoken to some of her friends who are struggling with like, well, I don't have that. Well, I'm not like that. And who are really being impacted mentally because they're trying to be somebody who they're not so that they can fit in a group or they can behave like somebody who is popular in their perspective. And I think that becomes a really scary place from a mental aspect perspective. Any thoughts about that or anything that parents can do to other than talk to their kids? Because that's that's my biggest do that I've got. I mean, you're spot on. And I think you've called out you know, a really important piece because in this world of technology and where our kids are very comfortable not talking as in words in a conversation face-to-face, -face, right? Like there's this whole new language that sometimes I admit is very foreign to me with emojis and text and all of that. And, you know, my daughter and I have the same conversations about, you know, what she's doing, what she's experiencing. And she sees her friends who are struggling. And I think the thing that we need to talk about with our kids is we need to talk to them 
all the time about everything, like, you know, making that space because when we grew up, you'd come home and it was quiet in a way, right? Like all of the noise and all of the drama and all of the need to prove yourself as, you know, a teenager at school was gone. You could shut it off because we were very disconnected in a different way from the world. And our our kids don't have that, that privilege. And so how do we talk to them and how do we encourage them to recognize and talk to their peers? So a lot of times my, my daughter and I have conversations about, you know, Hey, why do you think that some of these behaviors are happening. Like what, if you could put yourself in your friend's shoes, what do you think is going on? And if that were you, what would you want your friends to do to you? And then doing a lot of modeling and doing just got a lot of explicit practice of like, these are things you can say, these are things you can do. Let's play around with them and see what feels right. Um, But just making sure kids understand that, you know, most barriers can be broken down with a conversation and to, to be brave and to be kind in a world where there's so many other options, like what, what is the thing that you can do? And I think as teachers too, modeling that and remembering that, like we definitely, we definitely need to lean into, to kindness and to boundaries. I think that's another thing that we need to really teach our kids about is like, you know what? you can say no, you can turn things off. Like, how do you do that? And what are the words that we need to practice to make sure you feel comfortable doing that? And then when do you know when it's time to just call an adult and say, I can't deal with this anymore. And so I think it does all come down to those conversations. The more often we can have authentic conversations with kids, the better prepared they are to deal with some of these really hard things that they're facing. Completely agree. And um, it's so affirmative for me to hear you say that because yeah, we talk about boundaries. Like sometimes she'll say, my friend keeps complaining about the same thing over and over. And I said, you don't have to respond, right? Just answer one time and then say, I don't wish to talk about this anymore because she's realizing nothing is changing, but it's uncomfortable because you think, well, if I say no to my friend, is she going to be my friend? They're trying to um, get that approval and security from their friends as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, Katie, do you have anything to add on the... I you just, you know, and in listening to what you're saying, I was like, yeah, there's plenty of us who haven't been teenagers in a really long time that are still working on some of those things. Um, yeah, and I think that the role, the role of interactions in education spaces and in classrooms, um, ensuring that there is, is psychological safety um, in classrooms is something, um, you know, that the teachers have to be aware of. They, they don't have a choice, um, but, you know, making sure that teachers have the tools to do that um, and making sure that things are being done in the classroom in ways that can help build some of that confidence and some of that self-determination by giving students choice, um, by giving them opportunities to express themselves in, in whatever ways that they want um, can bring in some of that modeling, um, you know, because students might not have any control over um, their things outside of, of, you know, the school outside of the classroom. Um, and so giving them the opportunity to have some semblance of control within the classroom, giving them those choices, that's going to help them build the confidence so that when they need to say no, or when they need to say, hey, stop doing that, or stop saying that, or that's a boundary for me, there's an opportunity for them to to actually have the confidence to be able to do that, to say that. So there's an opportunity um, within classroom spaces to help students get to that point. So I'm going to pivot on what Katie just said. Let's talk quickly about teachers, because from what I see, teachers are very overworked. They're 
one of the industries with highest burnouts. And I have the privilege of working with some teachers. And there is a lot of admin work that they're trying to stay on top of. On top of that, they're, they themselves are changing with the culture in the schools. You know, teachers who have been teachers for 20, 30 years, things are very different now than they used to be. And I think sometimes teachers themselves are just trying honestly to survive in the classroom. And I think when it gets to like talking about modeling, right? We as parents try to model behavior and as teachers, same thing, the best way to teach somebody is to model behavior. Any advice or anything that you have seen that successfully works for teachers so that they can be their better, calmer, collected self so that they can model that for students when they're feeling burned out, overwhelmed, anxious, stressed, and all of that. Um, any thoughts on that? So Katie, I feel like we can totally talk about a little brain science here. Um, so I think... <laughs> I think, first of all, there's actually a number of studies that show the more stressed you are as a teacher, um, the lower performing your students will be. Like, stress is contagious. So number number one, take care of yourself. So everything we just said about, like, remembering boundaries, knowing when to shut down, knowing when to, you know, say, this is what I can do, and this is all I can do, because I still have my personal life and my family to take care of. So put yourself first, which is very hard for teachers um, because you have, you've got 30 kids in front of you who are spectacular little developing individuals and you want the best for them, but you have to have the best for yourself first. Um, and so then when we think about things that we can do that work for both teachers and students to just relieve some of that stress during the day. So when we think about, you know, some of the neurotransmitters we have in our brains. So things like dopamine, serotonin, um, the more we can build some of those levels in our brains, and that could be like a dopamine boost in the middle of the day to just kind of brighten your spirits and, and get your energy going that translates to your kids as well. So taking time to, to be outside to set achievable goals and actually achieve them, um, to create, to laugh, to be kind of socially connected. These are things that teachers can build into their day for themselves. And these are things that teachers can build into the day for their students. And it it doesn't take that much work to, to tweak the way you're doing something, to get some movement in, to get a little bit of exercise. Maybe it's just, you know, moving around the room or could we take a class outside and get some sunshine and some movement at the same time? So I think just focusing on some of those small, very achievable changes is a really good way to kind of help teachers feel like, oh my gosh, this is more than I can handle. Um, and I'll throw it to Katie, who can probably top off with some tech that will support there as well. Oh, yeah. Well, first, first, I'll talk about like looking, looking at your conditions, um, looking at the, the conditions that are around you and thinking about, okay, as a teacher, what do I have control over? And what do I not have control over? And, you know, even making a list of those things, right? And being able to say, like, here's, here's the conditions that I can't control. Um, I can either change them, or I can accept them and carry on easier said than done, I know. Um, but you know, how can we how can we control um, the controllables and, you know, bond from the rest, um, and be able to make those little changes um, that can help yourself. I think in terms of the, the technology, the setup in the classroom, um, making sure that teachers have the, the technology that's available to them to easily help them get the insights that they need to how their students are doing to help them do things like um, give feedback um, in an easier way so that they don't, they can do it in real time, right? They don't have to take the massive 
stack of papers home and, you know, be marking at 10 p.m. and be providing feedback at 10 p.m., right? Finding ways that technology can support you in making that easier, whether that's, you know, lesson planning as well, um, pulling in tools that are that are already built or that make things a little bit easier for you. And for every teacher, that's going to look a little different. Someone's easy to use tech might be someone else's nightmare. Um, but looking at what What's you know what's going to be easy to use that can help save save a little bit of time so you can um, you know spend five minutes having a dance break um, you know to boost your dopamine like Chris is talking about and instead of um, you know having to switch between seventeen different apps so that you're ready for the next lesson. And I gotta tell you guys, I mean you are speaking my language because regardless of whether you're a teacher or who you are, unfortunately most of our population nowadays is under chronic stress. I always tell people that the way you help the world is by helping yourself first. So I preach self-care, movement, dance, play. And, you know, I do have to say, like, in my in our middle school, they have taken out recess for some of the even preteens and teens. Oh. Um, yeah, exactly. That is exactly how I feel about it, too. It's so and, hard for them. Yeah. And um, I do think our, our kids um, have a lot shorter attention spans. Um, because, you know, they're so used to checking in between activities and sometimes they need to get their energy out and they don't have an outlet. And I think if we have some of those like a little dance break, let the students sing, whatever it is, whatever your thing is, it can help so much everybody, teachers, students, staff, admins, right, principals, um, and it can make such a difference for our educational system. Well, and it even helps with the social media piece as well, right? Because when you can find students and you don't let them talk to each other and you don't give them their recess, they're going to find a way to get those little dopamine surges anyway. And they're going to do it by checking social media, like scrolling on your phone, unfortunately, is going to feed that same need for that chemical in our brains. And so now you've got kids doing that, you know, on the sly. And so we're a encouraging a bad habit, like a slightly dysfunctional way to get a dopamine boost. And we're not engaging our kids in what we're doing. And so finding ways to, to build in some of these healthy ways to get what we need in the classroom through exercise, movement, connection with others is much better in the long run um, and in the short term for, for achieving what we want in the classroom and setting our kids up to be successful in whatever they want to do next. Yeah. This is such a great conversation and honestly we can keep going maybe maybe you guys need to come back and have like a episode two follow-up conversation we're in <laughs> great totally. I, we could talk about this all day yes for the sake of time let's go into your favorite quote or piece of advice that you have for teachers students parents um anything that resonates with you one that always comes to mind for me, uh, I believe it's Ralph Waldo Emerson. To know that one life has breathed easier because you have lived, that is to have succeeded. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes a long way when, you know, any of us have have so many demands on us, whether it's, you know, in our work lives, whether it's our family lives, whether it is that teacher with 30 you know, little people in front of them every single day trying to be successful. Um, did you make an impact on one person or in one way today? Great, you've been successful. And giving yourself the space to celebrate those wins, to celebrate the impact that you have on the people around you because of the way you approach the world, that's a win. Yeah, fully support that. Celebrate even the wins that seem like they're small goes a yeah. long way. 
Christ. Yeah, that was an amazing quote. I'm going to follow up just with a piece of advice that is deeply grounded in science, but um, smiling really matters. You know, mirror neurons are a real thing and you can change the outcome of many situations and many children's days by approaching everything with a genuine smile. Like it changes how people react to you. It changes where they may be. Um, I actually do a lot of work with animals as well as people and smiles work everywhere. Mirror neurons are a thing. And when you can approach something with, with brightness and openness and a smile, you will be surprised at how that often changes the outcome of what you're walking into. So, so smile as much as possible for you and for everyone around you. Even if you have to fake it till you make it a little bit, right? <laughs> you know, I'll tell you a really quick story. I was just back home with my family. We were at the restaurant and they delivered something that was not right. And the staff was very stressed out. And uh, I told my husband, I was like, oh, they messed this up. And he goes, oh, good luck dealing with that. He's like, I just wouldn't say anything. I said, no. I said, I'm going to go and be nice and smile. And I said, I'll get this correct. And he goes sarcastically, he goes, good luck with that. And I went inside and the guys were very stressed out. There was a huge line. It was hot. And I was like, hey, and I was super friendly and smiling. We actually got squeezed in a little conversation as busy as I kid you not, within 30 minutes, he got me a new sandwich. He got me the fries and I walked out and my husband goes, no way. And I was like, babe, I was like, it's always the attitude. If you go in there grumpy and they're already overwhelmed and, you know, not feeling their friendliest because they're dealing with this huge line and the heat and all of that, you're not going to get the results that you want. But mm -hmm. if you go with kindness and a smile, it's not that hard. So it's a very practical example of how you can approach life with every, you know, something as simple as get your order changed or how it impacts people's lives. So this was awesome. Okay, guys, quickly, your definition of rebellious. So I would say rebellious is doing what's right, even when no one else is doing it, or it means changing how we think about things or how we do things, but just doing it anyway, because it's the thing that needs to happen. Love it, Katie. Ooh. I don't know if this is so much rebellious or just something that we should all be doing more of, especially as women, um, but doing what's right for you and not giving up what other people think. Yeah, yeah, love it. All right, ladies, where can people find you if they want to follow you? Social media links, website, podcast, mention your podcast. Yeah, um, you can you can join both of us for regular conversations on the EdShift podcast. Um, make sure we have that link over. Uh, you can find me, Katie, on all of the social medias, um, including X and Threads. <laughs> <laughs> formerly known um, on on all of the uh, all of the socials. So we'll make sure all of those links are available. Yep. And you can find me on LinkedIn if you're really looking hard for me. Um, and then Edshift is on social media these days too, isn't it, Katie? Yes, we we are to on follow the podcast on yes. X on Twitter. Yep. X. <laughs> so we'll make sure to include those. Awesome. Awesome. Well, ladies, I am so grateful for your time and your expertise and your great energy. I wish you continued success with all that you do and look forward to staying in touch. And to everybody who checked in today, thank you, Rebels, for listening. Let us know if you have any questions. And of course, make sure to stay rebellious. See you next time. Can't get enough of those rebellious conversations? Do make sure you subscribe, like, and